Well, grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Do you guys remember fall of 2020? That season that came after summer of 2020 this year? Uh, yeah, I don't know if it's my internal weather radar that just can't compute all the snow that's been around us already, but it seems like true fall, the leaves falling, not the snow, was already weeks, if not months ago. I'm already starting to forget what it looked like. All those beautiful leaves, the reds and oranges and yellows, and that sweet smell of fall that came with it. I had a local friend who, he put it this way, he said, how evanescent are our fall colors? Ablaze with hues a fortnight ago, the hardwoods are now bare. Now, my card's on the table. I had to look up what the meaning of the word evanescent is, uh, but I'll tell you what it is. Uh, Evanescent means soon passing out of sight, memory, or existence, quickly fading or disappearing. That describes my experience of fall perfectly. The more I thought about that word, evanescent, the more I began to wonder Isn't that how so much of life is? Quickly fading and disappearing. Someone asks you how the weekend was, and you struggle to remember what you had for breakfast, right? Or all those things that you learned in school that slipped out of your mind that now you have to go and relearn because your kids are learning them and you have no idea how to explain these things to them. I think the coronavirus has honestly made this quite a bit harder, too. Or maybe just made it more pronounced. It's hard for me to remember what life was like before the coronavirus. Or even to remember what life was like before it started to spike in our own area. When it comes to that, we'd actually like to bring on the evanescence, right? We, we want this to disappear from our memory, from our experience. And most everybody I talk to says something like, I just can't wait for all this to be over so we can go back to life how it was. We want this to be passing out of our mind, out of our experience, out of our existence. Well, this morning, I'd like to actually push back a little bit against this evanescent tendency of ours. I want to actually recall things that have gone by, to meditate on things that maybe we already know but have forgotten, and to find strength in the recognition of all that has come to pass. And I think the Apostle Paul wants this for us as well. We heard from Paul in our second reading today from Ephesians chapter 3. Paul was praying in that reading for the Christians gathered together at that church in Ephesus. 
Well, listen to what he was praying for. It's in verses 17 and 19. Paul is praying that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith and that you would know the love of Christ. Now, Paul is praying this in writing this to Christians in Ephesus. Wouldn't you think that they would already have those things, that they would already know those things? Don't they already have faith in Jesus? Haven't they been baptized already? Well, the answer is yes and yes. Don't they already know this? Yes. But oh, how easy it is to learn something and then forget about it. Paul recognizes our evanescent tendency, this human habit of forgetfulness, and so he prays. He prays that his hearers would recall once again that love of God that enlivened them at the first, and that love of God that brought such a a diverse group of people together. Paul wants the Ephesians to comprehend What is the length and the breadth and the height and depth of God's love for them? God's love's pretty big. (laughs) It turns out it's pretty expansive, and there's a lot of different angles that you could consider God's love from. But today, today I just want to consider the length of God's love. It is Reformation Day, after all, so let's consider the length of God's love through time. We've been walking through a sermon series on Ephesians uh, that we titled One in Christ. I'll just give a little context leading up to today. Uh, Back in week one, we were reminded that we are one with God through Christ. In our baptisms, God has actually connected himself to us. He lives inside of us. In week two, last week, Pastor Aaron reminded us that Jesus has torn down the wall of hostility. It no longer exists. Just like the Greeks and Jews in Ephesus were made into one body through Jesus' death and resurrection, so we too today, as Christians, are one body in Christ. Well, today we're going to consider, we're going to recall and bring to mind our forefathers in the faith, because we are one with all the saints who have gone before us. Our faith isn't just our faith. It's not our own individual experience of who God is. It's not only our knowledge that God has forgiven me, but our faith is our faith. It changes the way we interact with each other and the world. It's bigger than my experience. My faith is strengthened when I see your faith, when I see your faith expressed in a community. And this community of faith stretches well beyond the scope of my years. Yet I think sometimes we forget that. We forget that we have a history 
This community of faith spans over thousands of years. And one of those members of this community is Martin Luther. Martin Luther, if you didn't know, was a priest in the 16th century. At that time, the church had lost sight of its history. It was no longer grounded and rooted in that message of Jesus, the love of Christ freely given to us at a cross and empty tomb for a world that couldn't save itself. Instead, the church had flipped the message. They had created a system of works that you were expected or even required to do in order to be saved. They made it a law that every Christian would have to count, recount, every single sin that they committed in confession. It was a practice that kept Luther up at night, literally. The church has also begun selling indulgences, pressuring people into paying of their own funds for the forgiveness of sins so that the church could then take the monies and use them for their own agenda. The church's leadership had lost sight of the gospel. They had lost sight of that message first spoken by the apostles, by even Paul himself. And that blazing, blazing beauty, that colorful, vibrant beauty of the message of God's free grace was replaced by a bare message of law and a human striving for salvation. But Luther, following in the footsteps of Paul, he recalled the love of Christ through study of Scripture. He meditated on the depth and the breadth and the length and the height of God's love until he realized the church had lost its way. And so he wrote, and he preached, and he spread that same gospel, that same basic, beautiful message of God's free grace given in Christ. And before long, he was persecuted. The church demanded that Luther recant of all of his writings and cease to speak of what he had learned. But in the presence of his persecutors, Luther boldly proclaimed, I cannot and I will not recant anything, for to go against conscience is neither safe nor wise. Here I stand, and I can do no other, so help me, God. Luther was convinced in his inner being of the hope that he had in Christ so much that he was willing to defend it. Even though a hundred years before Luther, another like-minded individual, Don Huss, was burned at the stake for trying to confess these same things. But Luther knew. He was convicted of the message of the gospel, that free grace given in God and the hope of which he had by that same forgiveness and redemption. He knew whose hands he was in. So even though death threats were made against his life, even though Luther had to actually go into hiding because of these threats for his life, he never recanted anything because he knew whose hands 
he was in. But this was just one of the many trials that the Christian church has faced throughout history. I mean, ever since the days of Jesus, there has been persecution against his church and his people. The Apostle Paul was writing himself from prison to the Ephesians for spreading the gospel, but he didn't care. In fact, he was happy to do it. He even told the Ephesians not to lose heart over his suffering because he knew that the gospel was worth it. Paul knew whose hands he was in. And the first Christians who heard and received and believed these words of Paul and the apostles, well, they went through their own trials and struggles. They had to quarantine themselves, worshiping secretly in their own homes for fear of tyrant rulers like Nero and Diocletian who wanted to exterminate Christianity from the face of the earth. Yet those Christians knew whose hands their lives were in. Their God, Yahweh, had preserved the church to their point and continued to preserve them against all odds. And the God who preserved His church then is your God today. That gospel message that strengthens so many men and women to courageously stand up against persecution and opposition and in the midst of struggle, that is your same gospel and your same hope today. Let us not forget the power, the love of Christ. For it was the power of the love of Christ that had sparked that movement in the first century. It was the power of the love of Christ that united peoples across Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and still reaching out to the ends of the earth today. It was the power of the love of Christ that not only preserved but even created generations of Christians amidst persecution in Rome. And the same love that not only preserved them in the midst of uh, plagues in the old Roman world, but actually motivated Christians to go out into the midst of those plagues, to care for those who were suffering from them, losing their lives oftentimes in the process. It was the power of the love of Christ that gave Luther the courage to stand up against the church and all of its heresy and hypocrisy and say, here I stand, because he knew what he was standing on. He knew what his foundation was, or rather, who his foundation was. His foundation is your foundation, Jesus Christ. In fact, where you're sitting this morning, underneath where you're sitting, etched into the concrete foundation of this building, are Bible verses written here by the people who first came and helped construct this building. Now, I don't know that this building is still standing because of those etchings in the concrete foundation, but maybe it is. Because it is that same Word of God, that same Jesus Christ who has preserved His church through history, has brought us to today and will preserve us forevermore. Let us recall 
and recognize the love of God for his church throughout the ages. A love that has literally changed history, has changed your history and mine. And dear brothers and sisters in Christ, though we face our own trials and struggles in our age, let us never lose sight of that love shown to us. Instead of forgetting our hardships, let's take them to the one who has conquered all hardship. Instead of just longing for the coronavirus to go away, let us hold fast to the one who is seeing us through it. Let us praise the one who continues to establish his church on this earth and who has promised to restore all things at the coming of his Son. God, strengthen us by your Spirit that we might be able to comprehend and to grasp how deeply you love us. And strengthen us by your Spirit to live as the people you have called and created us to be. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think, according to the power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Now may the peace of God, which surpasses all human understanding, may it guard our hearts and minds, the one true faith, Christ Jesus our Lord.